people deluded i'm back again thank you very much for tuning back into another edition of the deluded podcast we've not got much to speak about people but we've got a lot to speak about i know you want to hear my opinions on uno emre and what's happened in regards to the 2-2 draw at southampton well against southampton better yet and bet more specifically than that who's who's to pay for this and whatnot obviously we'll speak about the premier league action in general in a minute touch a, i guess we might as well touch on the champions league and what's to come um and some other things within the world of football or just anything i deem relevant so so i don't blow my top too early and become a passionate arsenal fan let's speak about some other things now eddie howe's been linked the current bournemouth manager people he's been linked with he's been linked with the positions at everton and both west ham people now I was having this debate with work colleagues. Now, Eddie Howe's earmarked for potentially a top six, jo- top six job sorry, in the future and also the national honour, the top honour, the biggest job you can get in this nation in terms of ma- managing England. He's been linked with them in the future. He's been linked with the West Ham position, obviously because of recent results under Pellegrini at West Ham have not been kind, to put it nicely. Obviously, Everton, Marco Silva, by the time this potential podcast probably comes out, he might lose his job. There's talk of David Moyes returning people. There's talk of Eddie Howe's linked with the position. Arteta's name's been thrown into the hat. Who knows what will happen? Potentially with Everton's owners or whatever. Like I swear the former Arsenal guy's there. I forgot his name, but he's there. Who knows? They might even can get a more ambitious name. Do you see what I'm saying, people? Who knows? I'm just speculating. But Eddie Howe, I was having this debate with work colleagues, people. And would it be a good idea for him to go to Everton or West Ham people? No disrespect to West Ham, and I've, I'm not dissing West Ham, but if I was him at Bournemouth, I wouldn't leave to go to West Ham. It's nothing against West Ham. He'd have a, he'd, I assume he'd have more money to spend. I don't have anything to back up them claims. But I think there's way more stability at Bournemouth. Of course, Eddie Howe's not Arsene Wenger, but he, there's similarities in that he's, at a point, he did leave Bournemouth and return, but he's builded them up, built them up, helped rebuild them, took them through the... Obviously, Wenger never took us through the leagues, but do you get what I'm saying? been through that team with cycles and there's not really managers that are going to be afforded that obviously pep and Klopp, two world-class managers get that the way it's going rogers looks like that's going to be him at leicester obviously lampard's just coming at chelsea but you get the point there's not too many guys that are probably going to be have been given a long experience a long period of time to or you can see them being at clubs for the near distant future pep and Klopp. Obviously, results are relevant, but you'd like to think they could stay at the, they could stay at either club for the long term future. Will it happen? I'm not too sure. Jurgen Klopp spoke of the need to rest, um, rest a human, rest a body and whatnot, and he's very big on them sort of human emotions and re, um, resting and revitalizing yourself. So he might step away, regardless of what he does at Liverpool. Come if not this season, potentially the end of next. Pep Guardiola, who knows if he'll stay at City beyond his current contracts, people. But you get the point. Obviously, Lampard's great as long as he can do his thing. But you get the point. There's not too many long-term managers or managers you can see being at clubs long-term or being afforded that. For me, if he's going to leave that sort of environment at Bournemouth, and granted, it could all change people. Football's a fickle game. It can all it can all change people. We all know this. One minute, this is how it goes. And then it's another way the next. So he's got to take opportunities. But I wouldn't necessarily go to either club, really, people. Because I don't really see... West Ham do have stability, but if, if I'm completely honest, if I put myself in Eddie Howe's shoes, at some point you probably will get sacked being West Ham manager. That just seems to be the thick of it. Of course, I'm not necessarily 
the most accurate of people because I don't know how, how long on average every West Ham manager's had, but it just doesn't scream stability to me personally. Everton similar as well. It just I do think both clubs there's a base and there's enough carrot. I mean, you look at West Ham new stadium and all of these things. If the investors were were to invest and whatnot on a significant level, West Ham could be an attractive club. Do you get it? in the same way potentially even Palace because. You almost you do you not think at some point football's gonna get to the point where literally every club in London can challenge for the top six and not just that other clubs people because surely I know it's not as fickle as this but the London of like surely people are wanting whether these these owners will sell or not is a different thing but surely people look at West Ham and Palace and think all right Spurs are doing their thing Arsenal and Chelsea are doing their thing these clubs on one way could what. Should I make this somewhat my real-life billionaire football manager? Like, I'll buy this club and we jump on a wavy thing, buying players and doing all that mad stuff. Who knows, people? But um, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily, unless I'm being given some serious, serious assurances um, in terms of the vision of either club and whatnot, I wouldn't necessarily make the move. Now, that's no disrespect to West Ham and Everton. I'm not disrespecting the clubs or anything. I mean, I, there's enough pedigree and, 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 um, to manage Everton and the chance to help, I guess, if in theory build a team and potentially break into the top six or disturb the top six, um, top seven now if you if you look at Leicester now, um, would be a carrot for any manager. Obviously, West Ham is a very prestigious club with a lot of loyal fan base. There's there's a carrot there, people helping them break into that situation as well. But I wouldn't necessarily do it if I was him, people. Football's a fickle game. He could very much. I mean, in you, how many times have you seen a manager turn down bigger jobs and then he'll stay? And then these things have to come to an end one day and you don't want to, if I put myself in any manager situation, I don't necessarily want it to be the club calling me. I want it to be me calling the shots. Players as well. How Football's a fickle game. How many players, like not to diss Chelsea, but look at Frank Lampard. Top Chelsea's top goal scorer, forgive me if I'm wrong. They even let him retire there. Do you get it? After the years of service. And that's nothing against Chelsea people. That's, it is what it is. If you're not that player of, of, of yesterday, you're not going to be there. But what I'm getting by that is seize the moments, people. Don't show... There's loyalty, but then you've, you've got to think you've got one life to live in this football thing and, and in life in general. So who knows, man? I wouldn't necessarily do it if I was him, people. Moving away from that, people, on a more serious note, quickly... Um, Obviously, there was a, last week there was a racial incident involving El, El Celsius, Ahmed Mendes Morea. He was subject to racist abuse by Denbosch supporters on last Sunday, people, or the Sunday before that, obviously, in the Dutch First Division. Following that, a number of clubs, I believe Ajax did it, and if I've missed your club out, feel no way, but a number of clubs um, stood still for the first minute of their, of their game to make, a, to make a point, people. Second Division, sorry, if I said First Division. So it was nice to see um, Excelsior and their opponents, Volondam, actually going, forgive me for mispronunciations, but it was nice to see them do that little one-minute thing. And although it's, in essence, it's not going to change anything, it's nothing but activism and visible solidarity and all of these things, people. So I'm not criti criticising it, but it's not going to do anything. But what I applaud that because that's more than I've seen. If we did that in England now, people, people would be sitting here and saying, oh, you're going to let the racists win doing stuff like that. And I mean... Them missing a minute of their game isn't going to change anything, and in some ways, it's no different from the kick, kick it out logos and the 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 say no to racism that UEFA does. But I mean, something's got to give people really and truly, man. So, and it's worth noting that the fans applauded both sets of players when they did such. So that was good. Now, the Brescia president's Brescia, sorry, Brescia, the Italian club's president Massimino Cilino, Cilino, um 
I think he's come out with a statement since I've started this podcast and kind of tried to find the humorous side about it. But um, when asked questions about Balotelli people, he 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 asked he, he kind of refer he kind of referred to Balotelli's struggles since he's returned to the Serie A club or just returned to Italy as well. I can't describe it, people. I just have to say it. And these are his words. He's black. What can I say? He's working on clearing himself, but he's having a lot of difficulty. People, I'm not even going to go in depth on that. I mean, well, what the hell is he talking about? Like I said, apparently it's meant to be a uh, it was meant to be a humorous sort of thing and and whatnot. But it's just to call it idiotic would be to be being kind, people. I mean, it, yeah, man. At this point, what more can I say? You know, you lot know this is wrong. You know these sort of views is wrong. You know racism has no place in the game, but. It's when people are av- so casual and, and, and so avid in their in their consistent what's the right word? Their consistent sort of actions and doing these things and saying these things is funny, man. There's, there's there's not even any point getting upset and worked up about it, people. It's really not. It is what it is. Apologies for rustling the paper, people, as well. Moving on from that, Sam Allardyce has had some interesting comments. He said the best way to get a Premier League job if you are British is to change your name to a foreign name. I've always said if I was Aladicio, I could have managed Man United. Now, you are Sam Allardyce and you've managed West Ham, Bolton, Newcastle, some good clubs, people. Um, you've had the top job at England. You threw the England job away. You sh- people were arguing you shouldn't have got that. I know, obviously, England have had foreign managers, and but the national job is completely different. But you really shouldn't have got the England job in the first place. And you threw it away yourself because of certain... Everybody's got cobwebs, people. Not to dig up a man's past, but... He was literally doing dodgy dealings and got caught red-handed in your thing. And obviously, these claims is weren't the, the, the first diverse claim. You remember the Ravel Morrison sort of thing, how he was allegedly trying to get him to side with agents. Um... I mean, this is sort of rhetoric that is silly, people. I mean, Aladash, you've, you, you just haven't got the United job because you're not good enough. Like bloody Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's got it right now. You're just not good enough for the United job right now, regardless of where United are. You just haven't got a, them top jobs there. It's because you're not of that. So you ain't got the source. Like you're not the man for any of them jobs there. You got the Everton thing, which again, probably above your credentials or what they were trying to do, really. But you got that, so why are you? What are you talking about, really and truly? What are you complaining about? It just sounds like victim is victim thing, because you've managed. You are part of what we call the dinosaur network. In that, you lot can get a job tomorrow when one opens. You lot have had more roles consistently. The likes of you and the uh, the typical names that always get linked with roles. So what are you talking about? What are you talking? Because if we're gonna talk about if you got a foreign name, this is. I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong completely, but I mean, if we want to talk about that, then. If you want to talk about names, then, I mean, that f- people talk about throwing certain cards into the ring. But what about certain people that are of a different complexion and things? And I know you probably sat there and said, had your say on that. I mean, if you can talk about names, then it is what it is. Of course, we know certain managers and especially players. We're in a difficult situation with English players because people either overrate them to ridiculously, ridiculously high standards and they're overpriced in the market or people don't rate them at times because they're English. There are a couple foreign players, I won't lie, people. Yeah, I, I get where Allardyce is coming from, funny enough, because when you throw a little, you know, a little sauce on the last name, people, it gasses it, people. It gasses it. It gasses it. Like, not to throw it to Bellerin under the bus, but... You know, if Bellerin weren't, weren't Spanish and everything there and from Barca, would people be looking at him as a different sort of right-back? Because he, when you deep it, he's quite basic, people. And I, I'm one of them people that feel guilty of it, victim of it as well, people. 
I'm not using trying to throw Bellerin under the bus. He's just the first name that came to my head. And you don't know I'm a big fan of Hector Bellerin. So don't feel no way if you're listening to this Bellerin, which you're not probably at a fashion shoot and making that money. Bring him. But on a more serious note, people, Jaden Sanjo, he looks like he's probably, I don't want to say probably because I'm not in the know. I don't know nothing. But apparently, based on reports, it seems to be a case of when, not if, he leaves Borussia Dortmund. Now, allegedly, his advisors in Dortmund do not want their sort of marriage to divorce, be um, be subject to divorce in January. The summer transfer. You hear talk of Sanjo at some incidences has felt humiliated and ashamed because of comments from people above the Dortmund manager and the Dortmund manager's comments. You also know he's been substituted... Um, a couple of times and and whatnot sometimes fairly sometimes not his form has been a bit up and down did he not get subbed in one game after 30 40 minutes people um i'm a big fan of sanjo man i mean what he's got 13 goals 16 16 um assists in 43 games and this season seven assists four goals i mean he's 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 proven right to move and challenge yourself because he never went to dortmund where would he be would he be playing for england would he have this commercial value? I think his commercial value is, is as much as his great footballing ability and his potential, his commercial value is ridiculous because it's up there with Sterling and it's no surprise. That's just a carrot on top of his footballing ability and he'll improve people because he's not all the way there yet. Um, he needs to obviously learn to be a bit more of a complete player and there's obviously a case of staying at Dortmund for a couple of years or potentially moving to a more prestigious club but not necessarily the Barca's Madrid's teams that he's been linked with people. He's been linked with City again. He's been linked with United. I did see on Twitter that apparently City are due 40% if he moves to another Manchester club. Clearly, that's a clause for United. So does that mean it will be 120 million? So more cake can be given and to City and people and everybody can still eat off Sanjo by, from a Dortmund perspective? Who knows? But, I mean, you surely think Sanjo is 100 million, whether you believe he's necessarily worth that or not. The commercial value... His footballing potential, the fact of in a in a what a year, just over a year, two years, call it that, he's gone from not getting a look in for City to playing for his country, obviously making a difference for Dortmund. He's had some good games in big environments as well. Did they not play well against Madrid the other day or someone? Was it last season against Madrid? And they definitely, he's definitely had a couple of good games in the on the, in the Champions League. It weren't this season on the Real Madrid, against Real Madrid, of course, people. But you get the point. He's a decent player, man, and. Obviously, I would love Arsenal to come get him, man. I mean, he's from London. We've got Nelson and, and Joe, his boys. But we ain't got a snowballs unless he wanted to come Arsenal. Here is a Chelsea fan growing up. I'm sure Chelsea fans, they've got some good options. But, I mean, there's names like Sanjo and Zaha being floated about. They pay as well. I'm sure Chelsea will relish. Chelsea fans would relish one one of them in, regardless of Callum hudson potential, Pulisic's form, and these sort of things there. Like I said, for his price tag, obviously people can buy him. I mean, Atletico bought him and whatnot. But you'd think for 100 million, he's only reserved for about five, six clubs. If Arsenal can throw the pennies at that, we can be in that. Chelsea, in theory, can do that if Roman Abramovich invests. But you'd like to think if he was to be made available tomorrow, United would definitely throw an offer. Madrid and Barcelona, based on reports, would throw an offer. Potentially Manchester City. And I'd say Bayern Munich. I know Bayern Munich got that young Canadian lad. They've obviously got Gnabry, who, I mean, as an Arsenal fan, do we really need to get into it? Kingsley Coleman. They've got fantas fantastic sorry, depth in their side, people, and it's only going to get better. Surely Sanjo, now, not to play devil's advocate, but you've seen a couple of players move from Munich to Dortmund. Um, 
potentially because they're German clubs, could they structure the payments in that it's not exactly 100 million as quickly as it might have to be in terms of upfront costs from other clubs? And obviously, Sanjo knows the league. Bayern Munich's expected to win Champions League and league titles. Sanjo's not won senior league titles. It could be something. The question he has to ask himself is, first and foremost, does he want to return to the Premier League, people? Because I think one great thing that's helped his development, pardon me, and obviously you can never get away from the media, but when he was, when he first went to Dortmund, could you imagine the scrutiny and the praise, the unhealthy praise and then scrutiny one week, the next week he'd be subjected to by fans? And I mean, you can't, you probably get that in Germany as well. But that, the media reports, the, the pundits one day bigging him up and then not like they're going to do when he does eventually come to the Prem. So I do wonder... How much does has being out of that spotlight, being out of London, being out of most, not most people's eyes, because people are watching, but the regular Premier League fans' eye or whatnot, the frequent Premier League watchers' eye, how much has that potentially benefited him, people, not necessarily having to deal with that and just being able to go out there with clarity of mind of just playing? Now, there's no escaping this. He'll have to do it. He has to ask him. Obviously, he wants, I assume, I don't know him or know anyone, but I assume, surely he wants to play in the Premier League. Now, when he was kicking ball in the cages, of Kennington and whatnot. I'm sure he grew up of whatever team he supported, Chelsea allegedly winning the league title with them or winning the Prem and doing these things. And obviously he's a Londoner. At some point he will want to return home. Um, it'd be interesting to see Sterling because Sterling's made no desire of returning back to London, but you'd think eventually it would happen. And Ser Sterling's another one been linked with PSG and, and Madrid and clubs like that. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens this summer with Jaden Sanjo, people. I mean, if City buy him back and there's, I mean, there's talk of Sane leaving. I mean, Sanjo can play on the right, he can play on the left. Sanjo, Sane going would be an L, but Sanjo's replacement wouldn't be the worst. Real Madrid, they need to rebuild. Um, obviously, it'll be, there'll be big shoes to fill, but I mean, I'm sure Sanjo would be a success at Real Madrid, in my opinion. I mean, he could be a great English player for them and try and follow in the footsteps of Beckham. I'm not saying he's going to, but he could try to do them things there. Um, he'd have to ask himself, is he mentally ready, though? Because he's not the finished article in terms of the player. And is he re ready mentally to, to, to kind of dedicate his life to football that you kind of have to do when you play for these clubs? Obviously, it's not always the case, but it becomes more than being a good footballer because it's a different level now. Like you've seen with Hazard. Hazard's a world-class player and a quality player. But the minute you play for Real Madrid, it's a different level of scrutiny and a different expectation. Is Sanjo ready for that? And I'd, I'm not saying Hazard doesn't enjoy his football people. And you always must enjoy your football. Remember why they got into the game. But I'm sure at points, these Real Madrid players, it, 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 it's always a job. But you get what I'm saying? It's a job. Like You can afford to have more fun and, and learn and stuff. So it's up to Sanjo if he definitely wants to. But what I will say is, just as an outsider looking in, I would say... If you want to move, move. Because, I mean, I'd think if I was him, I'd relish moving to the Premier League or testing myself at a bigger club, a re more reputable club in another country. Um, that's probably a big attraction for the foreign clubs as well in that he's shown at a young age, yo, I'm English, but I've gone Germany. So I can probably live in a, a France or a Spain or whatever. C City, similar to United and Pogba, do they eat humble pie and just say, yo, listen, We've got to bring him back into the squad and whatnot. Who knows? I, I'll be interested to see what happens with Jaden Sanjo. But moving on, people, and we might as well get into the Premier League action. So like I was saying, people, apologies, people. I lost my trailer thought there. Either way, let's move on to the Premier League now, man. Let's talk about, let's get down to the nitty and gritty now that we've got over the racist nonsense. Now, Manchester City, big three points in their 2-1 victory over Chelsea, in my opinion. So, obviously, Sergio Aguero had a decent game, in my humble opinion. He's obviously injured. 
but City needed to win. They've got United, um, I believe, next week or this week now in the Premier League. And obviously, United versus City isn't what it once was. But it's a tough period for City. They're, they're doing the chasing rather than being the chased at this moment in time. And they needed to get three points. And they came out of that with the three points. Obviously, Sterling and VAR obviously don't like each other. And they continued that again. Apologies, people, as I changed the paper. With that being said, Man City have won four of their Premier League games against City, despite, I mean, against Chelsea, despite conceding the first goal, people. Chelsea have scored more away goals than any other Premier League side this season. Manchester City have conceded the first goal in three of their last home Premier League games, people, which is concerning, I'd say, for, for Pep, because in the previous 51, that's, um, I'm sorry, that's as many as they had in the previous 51. So, obviously, we know there's been injuries and whatnot, and that probably contributes statistically to it. But I'm sure they want to improve in that. Chelsea, obviously, Chelsea failed to have a single shot on target after their, after their goal, people. Um, which is quite odd for Chelsea this season. Um, you rarely see N'Golo Kante do anything I mean, in terms of goal scoring, but he obviously did his thing and whatnot. And he has scored with all three of his shots on target in the Premier League this season. And what a goal it was for Mares, people. What a goal it was, people! And with Mahrez's goal, that means he's been directly involved in. Um, he's been directly involved in ten goals in eleven starts and all comps for City, six assists and four goals. Moving on to Bournemouth, what a free kick that was from. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but was it Jao Matinho, people? That was a serious free kick in that two-one victory over Bournemouth. Wolves obviously with that win means they're now unbeaten in their last eight Premier League games, which is their longest run in the league since 1974. That's one for the Wolves fans. Um, only Liverpool have more. Uh, sorry, people. Only Liverpool have scored in more consecutive Premier League games than Wolves. Um, Wolves have twelve. Liverpool have twenty-two. So that's not a bad statistic for Wolves fans. Again, for Bournemouth, this means they've lost back-to-back -back Premier League games. People previous to that, they only lost one in their last seven. So they've had a good period, but they're going to need to get over that. Um, so, yeah, people, obviously a negative stat for Bournemouth is that, sadly, Bournemouth have sh have um, have been shown seven red cards in the Premier League since they were promoted in 2015. Four of them have been for Simon Francis. And to be fair, I don't, no disrespect to him, I just don't think he's Premier League quality, but my opinion doesn't matter. At the end of the day, he's earning a lot of money playing in the Premier League and I'm here making this podcast, so my opinion don't really matter. Um, for João Moutinho, um, that goal was his fourth direct um, free kick that Wolves have scored in the Premier League. Three of these, three of these strikes obviously came in the last two seasons. Jimenez has scored in all three of his league appearances against Bournemouth people. So Jimenez is always one to be fired up against the Sherries. Obviously, Leicester defeated Brighton two two goals to nil. Vardy got a bit of luck with VAR having missed the penalty and did his thing. Um, I mean, what can you say? Leicester look on course to get top four. People, they're scoring a lot of goals. They have one of the, if not the best, statistical defense in the Premier League this season. What they've conceded a league low of eight goals this season, people, and they've that um victory over Brighton was their fourth clean sheet on on the spin, people. Vardy's obviously scored in five consecutive games for Leicester, and whether players are scoring, it's refreshing to see as a neutral. Like Leicester are doing their thing, it's admirable because Rodgers has been there, put the blueprint. But I have to give credit to the players because they're first and foremost buying into Rodgers's um tactics and buying into it for the fans, and they're replicating it. Obviously, Vardy's the Madisons, Chilwell's a defender, but obviously he's an attacking fullback, and Pereira as well. And all the other guys, Ayozi Perez, they'll all get the headlines. But you look at guys like Ndidi, Sienchu, Evans, 
like they've been consistent all over the field, man. And a lot of them players, well, I'm saying a lot, a couple of them players were there when they won the, the Premier League. So they're experienced, man. And to be honest, I think they're going to get top four people. Um, don't let me down. Le- well, let me down because I'm an Arsenal fan. But don't let me down, Leicester. Now, obviously, it's November. But w- how can you not picture them getting it if they continue this, man? Because it's amazing. And it begs the quis- question of Uno Emre, really, because... I mean, well, Roger's been in that job two minutes and they're playing like this. You're still talking about finding balance. But we'll get on to Arsenal soon, people. Now, VAR had a lot to say in the game against Palace. I mean, the game against um, Liverpool for Palace. Palace obviously lost two goals to one against Liverpool. Big three points for Liverpool. Mane loves playing against Palace and he did his thing, people. Um, Liverpool are only the fourth side in the Premier League. To have as many as 37 points from their opening 13 games, um, which is uh, incredible, people. They're obviously unbeaten in their last 30 Premier League matches. Only Arsenal's 49 in 2004 and Chelsea's 40-05 have obviously been longer. Palace have obviously lost their third consecutive league game for the first time since 2018. Well, March 2018. So they need to go back to the drawing board for whatever as well. They've obviously lost their five league meetings um, with Liverpool people. So they probably knew it was damage limitation and whatnot from a Palace perspective. Well, it is well it is. Mane has scored more Premier League goals against Palace than any other opponent, which is eight. Um, only Defoe, which is nine, has more goals against the Eagles in the competition's history. Um, so that's what the statistic says. Uh, Mane is obviously the third Liverpool player to score in five consecutive Premier League games against a consecutive opponent. I mean, a particular opponent. Obviously, Michael Owen against Newcastle and Luis Suarez against Norwich spring to mind. Um, since the start of last season, Liverpool have scored 38 goals from set-piece scenarios, including penalties. Um, but that's eight more than any other club. So, for as good as they are tactically, it's the finer details that make the difference. Um Obviously, Zaha obviously got his first goal in his in 14 games for Crystal Palace. He's obviously ended a fairly lengthy period without scoring, and I'm sure he would like to go on a goals rush and go in a bit of form. Obviously, his head hasn't allegedly been in the right place due to speculation over his future, but it is what it is. Now, Norwich defeated Everton two goals to nil, and you are seeing, you are hearing David Moyes to Everton, Arteta to Everton, Eddie Howe, as, uh, as previously discussed, to Everton. And once again, by the time this podcast is out, Everton's future in regards to their managerial post will probably be solved. But there is no going back, people, really and truly. Man, Marco Silva, he just, he just keeps losing games. They lost five of their last six against newly promoted sides. Marco Silva himself has lost all four of his Premier League home games against sides starting the season at the bottom, starting the day, sorry, at the bottom of the season. Um, they obviously allowed Norwich to pick up their first away win in 10 attempts this season. They allowed Norwich to um, keep a clean sheet, which now allows, which now means Norwich have kept a clean sheet in two of their last three Premier League away games, which is better than their previous 33. Um, Pukki's been directly involved in nine Premier League goals in 13 games this season, and I'm sure a lot of FPL people are probably considering bringing him back into their fold. Um, Todd Cantwell of, of Norwich, who's probably got some admirers now in terms of clubs looking at him, scored his first ever Premier League, first ever Premier League, apologies, first ever goal in English League football away from home. So that's good for him. And that's his, at his 18th attempt. So it's good for him. Burnley, complete performance, clean sheet away from home, 3-0 people. 
that's a madness now for Watford that means they've lost seven and drawn four meaning they've gone 11 consecutive home games without a win for the first time in their history sadly them players are going to be itched in that negative history Burnley have ended an eight game winless run away from home in the Premier League people picking up their first win away from home since April when they beat Bournemouth their 3-0 victory against Watford is their joint biggest in the Premier League people um, West Ham their games against West Ham and Fulham, which ended 3-0 against West Ham and 4-1 against Hull, respectively, spring to mind for Burnley fans. Watford have won just once in their last 17 Premier League games, people. Losing 10, drawing 6, obviously only winning once, people. Um, they've only won once in 9 games since Flores has returned as their manager. Um, they've picked up, sadly, only 8 points from 13 games this season, which is their lowest return at this stage of a of a top flight history top flight season so in their history so again negative statistics ashley ashley barnes he obviously did his thing he scored f 15 premier league goals in 2019 which is the most of all well which is one more than any other burnley player chris wood is on 14 chris wood has scored in six six he scored six goals in his last six premier league appearances um which is better than his previous 19 so he's found a, a good run of form so Burnley fans slept easy this weekend. Spurs, obviously, they were in control for large periods of the game, but the scoreline doesn't look like that. They won 3-2 against West Ham. Jose Mourinho, the biggest talking point. Obviously, he's returned to management at a team he once said he wouldn't manage, but it's funny how, football's tur how football turns out. Now, it was, shock it was a shocker that Pochettino was let go, but now Jose's coming to the fold and away from home. His first game, what more could he ask people? Still keen to see how he marks his puts his mark on on spurs and how he wants them to play can't read too much in it from not just this game but the game against olympiacos um tomorrow actually and they're gonna mess up transport god knows what time i'm gonna get home 6 15 train from liverpool street to enfield town please don't desert me but moving back on to spurs people um jose Mourinho has gone unbeaten in his first game in charge at each of his eight previous clubs people since obviously losing his first competitive game in September 2000 against Benfica. Or with Benfica. Sorry, that started making statistics. But either way, he's gone on an eight. He, he's done his thing, man. Don't know why I said that. But let's move on. Jose Mourinho has won as many points today beat West Ham as Pochettino mustered in his final 12 away games in the league with Spurs. Losing nine, drawing three and obviously winning none. Now, for all Pochettino's praise and for all the criticisms... Away games are one thing Spurs, similar to Arsenal, need to improve on. And Jose Mourinho, just based on playing what's in front of you, has done exactly that, people. Obviously, for Spurs, they've won their, they've won their third consecutive away league game against West Ham for the first time in their history. Um, weirdly, people, all four of Mikel Antonio's Premier League goals for West Ham against Tottenham have come at different venues. He's bagged at the London Stadium, Spurs' new ground. White Hart Lane, the old ground, and obviously Upton Park. Um, and obviously, with that being said, Antonio is one of four players to score at four different venues for a single club against a single opponent, obviously, people. Um, Mal Bronk did that. Um, Deli Alli's actually done that. And Eriksen's done that. Spurs' Harry Kane has obviously scored eight in his last nine games against West Ham. Um, and he's obviously scored 29 in 46 Premier League London derbies. Harry Kane is a lovely footballer. He's obviously an Arsenal fan. Spurs fans, i got to do that, man. But on a serious note, Kane is a quality player. Arguably the best, if not one of the best Premier League strikers. 
Um, definitely one of the best strikers in Spurs' history. Definitely a nightmare to see as an Arsenal fan. And yeah, man, obviously, on top of being a good player, big, big occasions, London derbies, bragging rights, Harry Kane steps up for that. Um, so yeah, man, obviously needs to credit Arsenal's coaches for showing him how to score. Cause I know them Spurs done didn't teach him that, but yeah, man, banter aside, Kane's a quality player, man, and it's no surprise he's scored at this point 175 goals and 269 appearances for Spurs, which considering he wasn't 18 years of age, and imagine, imagine how, obviously the cookie doesn't always pan that way, but imagine it was a thing for Kane where he came through Spurs Academy, you know them ones there, he comes in at 18, he scores, he's part of the first team, um, you could argue he might not be the Harry Kane of today, he might not have developed as, as, as good as he has done, and his development and everything could have been different, but what would his goal record say if it was as white and black as him being at 18 and getting 100 games under his belt by 2022 if possible at Spurs, if possible in the Premier League in the current dynamic. I mean, that's incredible statistics, people, considering that, like I said, man, it was only a couple of years ago, really, that Harry Kane asserted himself in not just the Premier League, but Spurs is 11. Like, it, it just shows what you can do with hard work. It just shows you should never write people off. It shows what you can do if you give people a chance, man. And I like Harry Kane, man. He's a sick baller, really, as much as he loves to score against Arsenal and whatnot. But it is what it is, man. Real recognise, real. And another good player for Spurs, Son Heung-min. Leading goal scorer for Spurs. 19 goals in all comps in 2019. One more than Kane so far this calendar year, people. So, yeah, man. It's been a bit of a... Premier League's been a bit of an interesting one, people. Now, I guess we should just touch on vaguely United. Really, I'm sorry, United fans. I don't really, really want to harp on about Manchester United. But it was good to see... Rashford Greenwood and the young left back score in the game because he was having a tough time. Um, Sheffield gave United a tough time, as you saw. It looked like United was going to nick it. They obviously managed to get the last laugh and walk away with three points. On balance of things, I guess a, a point is a fair result purely because in those seven minutes, Sheffield conceded them three goals. They let themselves down for their hard work, and Chris Wilder's men have shown. They're a tough side to play against and I'm sure they'd, they'd be disappointed with that because unlike Arsenal, they've shown they can concentrate for high periods and defend for high periods and they're, they're, good enough then, they're good enough to deal with them situations than they dealt with against Manchester United. But yeah, from a United perspective, I'm not a United fan, people, but I can't lie. Ole Gullisolsha's comments about Everton flashbacks and stuff, that wouldn't rub me up the right way. Um, Ole Gullisolsha's bacon safe to a degree with the draw. I wouldn't say bacon is safe because similar to Emery, question marks. But you get where we're going with that, people. Um, you can understand where I'm going with that. Um, in an Arsenal... Sorry, people. Something dropped. In an Arsenal perspective, apologies. Arsenal are unbeaten in their last 25 home games against Southampton. Sadly, we lost. Like, let's just cut the crap, people. You didn't start the game in the best of ways. You wanted to see a reaction. You wanted to see clarity of mind with the international break having just gone people and and i wouldn't say everything's been forgotten but it's kind of been not died down but you get where i'm going nothing was shown people very few players lacassette got a brace not really no one can really from a player perspective say they played they played anything close to well tactically you know emre was shocking again pragmatic i don't even have a problem with five at the back but it's not even a and we're a long way from ever being like City, but Emery's intentions is not to attack. In fact, you never get the feeling you know, Emery wants to win a game of football, honestly, people. He's played five at the back against a team that's at 19th, a team that fails to shoot, had 13 shots 
in their last however many games prior to Arsenal, people, and they managed to have 20-odd in a game against us, continuing the trend of teams having shots on target against us and us actually not, not firing back and not shooting. Um, yeah, they failed to score low on confidence, fighting relegation, and teams are looking at their seasons when they're in this sort of form and that against Arsenal... We it's a new dawn. We go we, we, we change our seasons for us and that's what Southampton did. We didn't start well. We shot ourselves in the foot. It's a poor goal to concede. We switched off. Professional footballers, some that have played for their countries, are turning their backs on a quick free kick. You learn this in Sunday league. It's a poor goal to concede. Obviously the penalty with Tierney, again another not to name drop Tierney because I think he will come good, but it follows the trend of if it's not individual mistakes, not following bundles, or just short cheap goals. Tactically, he's playing five at the back. His intent is not to go forward. That was my point before I started getting angry and rambling on people. There's not. He's played five at the back. Our intent. He 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 doesn't intend to attack as a manager, anyways. Clearly, Emery doesn't believe in these players defensively. He either doesn't believe in in his ability to coach this team to withstand sustained periods of defending, defending outnumbered, two banks of four, and just keeping clean sheets and seeing out games. Whether he believe whether he's tried to coach them and his communicational skills or his tactics have proved ineffective and obsolete is another thing. But he clearly doesn't trust our defensive credentials. Hence why he goes for this sort of let's overload areas. Because in theory, if we flood areas, there should be someone to block a shot or something. So our intent isn't to go forward. We haven't got the intent. Um, we can't defend anyways. So what do you? Nothing against Torreira because Torreira should have started. But you've played three defenders, people. Three at the back. Five defenders in total with the wing backs. You've got Torreira. That shows the opposition that you're not really going to try and put pressure on them considering their own bad form. And on top of that, it wouldn't even be so bad if the intent as a team was to attack. We don't want to attack people. Like I just said, doesn't believe in them defensively. So, and I do think this nervousness spreads off by him to the team. Doesn't give them clarity of mind and freedom to express themselves and focus on their strengths rather than their weaknesses. In terms of the attack, in the sense, in the terms of the attacking sense, I mean, you've got Pepe, Lacazette, um, Sabios, Meza Ozil, Aubameyang. If I haven't said it, um, Pepe, all these guys, and we've got ne not only negative goal difference, but none of these players are arguably excelling in terms of his tactics. Aubameyang's doing his thing, not recently, but in terms of scoring goals, but nobody's excelling. So if you don't really give them freedom or know how to get the best out of them in an attacking sense, we can't defend. It's a bit six of one half a dozen of the other and it, it's not go it, it doesn't give the fans any confidence it can't give the players any confidence playing in seven different formations in our last seven games people i mean come on people don't speak about how much building relationships improving relationships and gaining confidence from playing a certain way it is think about it, people how can we how can obama and pepe and and that uh, learn relationships on the field telepathic movement and all of them sort of things you see on the football field from the most dominant attacking front threes you look at anything Messi's played with at Barca that's from playing together and understanding each other they're not given a chance and if they are all playing together one minute they're playing as strikers then one's a winger then both are chasing wing backs like it's it's, it's not on it's just simply cowardly like I said you never really get the vibe that Unai Emery genuinely wants to win a game of football. When you strip football down to its basic principles, people, tell me I'm lying, but the objective is to score more goals than your opponent. <laughs> Emery shows no ability to do that. God knows where we would be if Aubameyang, when we was doing a tiny bit better this season, wasn't scoring these goals, people. Southampton, with that being said, again, obviously with our draw against Southampton, which feels like a defeat, yeah, we got a point at the end, people, but you saw the muted celebrations. I'd be surprised if Emery doesn't keep it moving. 
um, we have heard he's going to be in charge of the Frankfurt game. But with that being said, it now means we failed to win in six consecutive matches against all competi in all competitions for the first time since 98 people. With that being said as well, Southampton remain winless in their last eight Premier League games. Um, we're winless in our last five Premier League games. Obviously, the 1-0 win against Bournemouth, which I was at the Emirates in October, is where we did it. We've picked up just three points from a potential 15. And with the period we've got moving forward as an Arsenal fan, just the sheer games we've got to play, if not the stature of the club's people, just who we're playing, it doesn't fill you as an Arsenal fan with much confidence. And I mean, at this point, there isn't much to say about Uno Emery, people. The man needs to keep simply keep it, keep it moving. Like, there's really not much more to say. I mean, with that being said... Um, with, 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 with that be with that being said people 24 of Lacazette's goals of um 24 of Lacazette's 31 Premier League games have been scored at home which is 77 percent potentially could Lacazette do a bit better in in that in that sense people potentially who knows um Arsenal have faced five penalties in the Premier League this season more than any other side which again question marks over our ability to concentrate you are going to concede pens in a game and my, maybe we've been a bit hard done by some, but when you're doing it, Tierney, when you're doing Louise has had a couple. Obviously, I have a couple of, I'm sure Chambers has got one. This shows the, the, the issues defensively and our inability to concentrate. And a lot of the time we're conceding penalties or score being goals are being conceded against us. It's through silly individual errors, people. Carrying on from that. Like I said, Southampton had managed just 13 shots in their previous three games and then went off to have 20 against us. With that also being said, people, um, against what well, Leicester at home, they had six. They had three against City. They had four against Everton. They had 21 against Arsenal. I mean, boy, what does that say? Arsenal on the flip side have had, uh, apologies, have had fewer shots than their opponents in 12 of their 19 matches in all competitions this season. Take us back to last season, people, when people were saying, oh, it shows we're effective in front of goal and we're, 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 we've got the killer, we've got the, the killer, the sort of killer appetite and all of these waffles and all of these things, people. It's just not on. The club need to make a decision. Apparently, it will cost 50 million in total when you factor in Emery's backroom staff and his package to get rid of him this season. That's potentially too much money for the Cronkies who really and truly don't really... They've obviously invested and you're seeing what Josh is doing. But let's be honest, they don't exactly want to win the Premier League, to put it nicely, people. Why would they want to lose 15 from that? You add in another 45 from the Premier, from the Champions League, that's potentially 60 million. That being said, apparently if we go on reports, people, 60 million in potential earnings just on the basis of failing people. But that being said, you are seeing reports that they are warming to the idea of of getting rid of Uno Emery. So we'll see what happens um in that in that regards people. Um we'll have to see how that one specifically develops. Um one second people while I turn on my camera. So yeah moving on from that as well people apparently Arsenal uh, apparently this is what I think is the Twitter account go Bolsi I, I think it's a journalist he said apparently an un unscheduled Arsenal board meeting is due to take place within the next 48 hours to discuss the current plight and a possible replacement for Una Emery as head coach. How reliable potentially that is, people, we don't know. Again, 
results change thing, but we heard after the Leicester defeat that the board heard some members of the board or the majority were still confident in Una Emre and they're still confident in his ability to turn it around and they actually saw, saw encouragement in that performance, people. What encouragement they, they saw there, they, I don't know, but they saw something. You, to be fair, you are hearing that certain board members wanted to revolt and not revolt, sorry, resign um, from positions following the, 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 the draw, which feels like a defeat against Southampton. It does appear that the, not only the players, because apparently even Lacazette had words to say after the game, but the boardroom are undecided on Uno Emre. Clearly, people want him out. Certain people think he's hard done by. And he has got his loyalists and apologists in which Raul Sanye, based on reports, clearly is one of them. You've got to start looking at Sanye now. Hopefully, a replacement is found, um, people. Um, I've gone further on and just entertained some rumours, if you give me a second to actually find it, people. Um, apparently, we've spoken with, or better yet, representatives of Max Allegri have been contacted by Arsenal regarding his possibility of taking over, the, um, taking over at the Emirates. Um, the, uh, and it, the same report went on to say Raul Sanya has drawn up an extensive list of the criteria that he is looking for in a in a new coach. He's looking at a number of options to see who the best fit would be. The Arsenal way, the way Arsenal was set up, Raul Sanya allegedly will have absolutely no say on that. So, what I've at least I don't know if paper talk is true, people. But the what I will say is I do want the club to do their due diligence. Just because we get rid of Emre, even though I'm supporting that claim, does not mean the next manager is going to come in and fly. We could get it wrong several times. Hell, we might even have to get it wrong a couple of times before it gets right. But what we need to do is try and seize our future. I'm not saying become a hiring or firing club, but what's the point persisting with someone who, whether he was to turn this around and get top four or not, clearly is not the man long term to do this based on what we're seeing. Regardless of if we win, lose or draw, the same consistencies in regards to how we're playing are still there. Emery isn't that. If we can get Max Allegri, I'd be all on that. Now, I don't think Emery is a defensive coach. He's a negative coach to a degree, but I think he's got... How can I say he's a, neg he's a defensive coach if he can't keep clean sheets and he can't coach a side to defend? He's neither pragmatic... He, he is pragmatic in his actions and how he reacts, but he, I wouldn't say he's, a, he's clearly not an attacking coach. He's not a defensive coach. He's just simply a reactive coach. You could say Max Allegri is a defensive coach. Now, a defensive coach doesn't have to be the worst of things. I would see Maxi Allegri if he's given finances and that might be a reason for him not taking the job if this is something more than just paper talk. He'd, he'd first and foremost try and improve or would improve our defensive structure. People would understand their roles and you would probably see players that play on a regular basis that have specialist roles but there'll be a couple of players who might play 15 games a season but they might play that, that one of them games they're playing might be the North London derby. They might have a specific job to man mark someone. Um, if he can marry that with some offensive play and marrying in some of the values Arsenal won, if he is allegedly the man to take over, that would be decent. Whether we can, for Allegri, I, again, we don't know in it because whether we can speculate over managerial positions, you insert Madrid, probably Barcelona now, if, if PSG don't do a respectable return in the, in the Champions League. The question marks could be over Tuchel for as decent as he's been. Have Bayern Munich announced their long-term boss people? You're hearing Pochettino. So Allegri could be waiting on the wings for these jobs. Even the United job now. United is like Arsenal. The difference is he'll get money to spend if Woodward and these guys do back him. Because true say allegedly they didn't for Josie. But um, would he get the money and be able to... Would his vision of how he wants Arsenal to go be be what we want? Because apparently we spoke to him before. If we wanted Enray before, prior to him, then fair enough. But... Um, Fair, fair enough, but 
what has been said there, does he want finances that wouldn't be unavailable? Because we did hear him and Luis Enrique, if reports are to be believed, they wanted around 200 million to spend. And is that necessarily in Arsenal's model and what we're trying to do? Who knows? But I would be on Allegri, people. There'd be question marks over Allegri, but whether you agree with his playing style, philosophy and things, at least it will be a manager who's got a clear way of doing things and then you can buy into it or you can, you can critique it there. I don't really. One thing I really don't like about Emery is that we don't know what we're doing. We don't. Are we a defensive team, counter attacking team, front foot team? We can't defend like we. We're still here talking about balance and all of these sort of things. There, people. You can't not speak about Allegri. You can't speak about Allegri and not speak about Arteta. Now Arteta has been linked with the Everton position. He's a former Everton player, and that would probably tempt him in itself to go there. He's obviously linked with Arsenal. If reports are to be believed, he was. Close, very close to actually being the next manager. So are we going to take that risk and go for him? Because um, many people have seen allegedly his coaching and doing work behind the scenes with Pep Guardiola at City and say, with the current model of football, you might as well. It's not a really an experienced thing like that in that people having to coach for 10 years, given it. Other people will say, well, and it's not me, but it's, if we just put it in this harshest way, laying down training cones for Pep Guardiola sessions doesn't necessarily put you in terms of in the best position of being Arsenal manager or a top six manager or even mean you're going to be a good manager people um so the club will have a difficult decision I wouldn't mind giving Arteta a chance people really and truly just based on how he looks at football and whatnot and I personally believe that's the way the game's going equally I would like to in an ideal world interview Pochettino is not going to be Arsenal gaffer but Pochettino if you could Allegri if you could because there's credentials to actually say no to Arteta to say yes for Arteta obviously to go for an experienced name now Allegri and these guys what they have over Arteta of course is what they've won their years in the game as a manager at the senior level and with that experience in theory comes more confidence Emre and Allegri aren't the same manager but in the same way we kind of cowered away from taking Arteta could we make that same mistake now if we go for Arteta and he's out of his depth we can't really have a we can't afford to really have a manager that's failing fast in that position and learning things so do we look to arm Arteta with his previous manager, I mean his previous captain in um, Mertesacker? Obviously Lomberg's an Arsenal man and, and them things there. Do you look to bring in some more experience around him or who is what would his coaching staff be? Obviously Pep Guardiola himself has said, I would honestly like for him to stay with us as long as possible. Um, not just Pep, Manchester City has an incredible valuable person to work in this club for the future. But personal life is personal life. Professional desires are professional, each one. Um, so, yeah, man, he clearly sounds like someone that won't stand in his, his way if Arteta wants to go. Clearly, Arteta is clearly quietly seen as Pep's long-term or even short-term, if reports are to be believed about Pep's situation, and he might even leave at the end of this year. Short or medium-term manager or someone that's going to be given a go at that, people. People be linked with Vieira. Pe we've been linked with Vieira, but I'm not going to lie, people. I'm really not going to lie. Arteta's... Um, Arteta... What am I saying, Arteta? Patrick Vieira is our former manager, former captain, sorry, people. But I'm not really on the the, the, the Vieira one, you know. Like, shout out to him and his job at Nice. But I'm not really on that, man. I haven't really seen much. And it doesn't make sense because Arteta hasn't been given, hasn't done anything. And Vieira's had more experience. And I'm kind of being hypocritical there. But I don't know, man. Something just don't scream Vieira, at least from what I'm seeing on current evidence, is the right one. The Mirror have said, people, that Pochettino is a shot contender to replace Unai Emre as Arsenal boss. But Gunas Chiefs are not convinced they can are not convinced they can talk the former boss into such a controversial move. And he won't do it anyways, people. I mean you could you could never say never, but 
he doesn't want to marry Barcelona because of his Espanol ties. Why would he want to go from Spurs, regardless of if he necessarily cares about Spurs or not, to Arsenal? Let's not be naive. Of course, he loves his players and his time at Spurs, but he grew up in Argentina. He's from Argentina. It's not Spurs till I die sort of thing, but it's a loyalty thing. And he's someone that believes in that strongly. So he's not going to cross that people. Um, if there are, if just to, just to bring that, to round this up and to reiterate that point, if there is to be some announcement in the next 48 hours, I wonder where it is. Maybe potentially the players are being briefed because the players are giving up in Emre as well. That's, that's why they need to nip this in the bud. Like, I wonder what the briefing for all sections of the club is going to be if there is going to be an announcement because this could all just be WAS people. But he's lost the players. You saw, you've seen them look bewildered time after time. You you saw them on Saturday. They look like they've given up, not necessarily because they've given up on him professionally and they don't like Emre. It's just they don't believe in his tactics and his tactics are not evident and it's just not working. From you lose to dressing room, they've got to nip this in the bud, people, because the longer whether Conke and the Conke family necessarily care about Champions League, and having aspirations as a club, maybe not necessarily in the short term, but the longer this club continues to steadily decline, eventually you're going to feel these, feel this in your pockets. And will they want to change? On one hand, I mean, as much as I want Kronke and that to, to sell the club and whatnot, people, let's be honest, at the end of the day, there was 70 million on Pepe and Emery's been allowed to flush out the side and keep who he wants. And we just haven't seen anything close to a philosophy from that man. So Emery needs to go. And I really hope in the next 48 hours, he's, um, departure is announced and a new move is announced for a new manager but better than that I'd just like us to in, in an ideal world someone in the short term if it's not going to be that long term man whether that's Lomberg and whatever right off the season and make sure you get it right make sure you really interview and you really scrutinise the, the, the managerial credentials and what they're doing because Emre clearly did a fantastic interview and fantastic, fantastic lip service. But some way or another, what's done in the light, in the darkness, has to come to light. And it's come to light. He hasn't got the credentials for this position. So hopefully, it's positive news by the end of the week on that front. But for now, I'm hungry and tired. So people, deluded. I'm out. Thank you for listening and all them things there. Make sure you check out my YouTube account. Obviously, my links are in the description. Thank you for being a loyal supporter because I mean, you lot are starting to approach me on the street, getting selfies. The love I'm getting is ridiculous, man. And without you lot, and nothing can happen. So, thank you very much for that. Let me get out of here, people. Deluded. <laughs>